0: Welcome to the Scripts and Scribes podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Fuganaga. Uh, for more great interviews and resources on the craft and business of writing, be sure to check out our companion website, ScriptsAndScribes.com. But first, I'm excited to have on the show today the super-talented screenwriter and director of The Matador and The Hunting Party, Richard Shepard. Richard is also an Emmy and DG Award-winning director of shows like Ugly Betty, 30 Rock, Criminal Minds, and most recently, HBO's critically acclaimed series, Girls. His latest film, Dom Hemingway, starring Jude Law, Carrie Condon, Richard E. Grant, and the Mother of Dragons herself, Amelia Clark, opens in theaters on Wednesday, April 2nd. Welcome to the podcast, Richard. Thanks for coming on the show.
1: Uh, thank you so much, Kevin, for having me.
0: Um, first off, I loved The Matador. Um, thank and I, you. Yeah, no, it was fantastic. And uh, it's really sort of my sensibility. I love that kind of stuff. Um, And I recently saw the trailer for Don Hemingway and it, it it also looks fantastic. Jude Jude Law in particular looks brilliant in it. Um, Can you tell us a little bit about the film, you know, sort of what it's about and the inspiration behind it?
1: Well, I mean, I certainly think that if you like the matador, then you will like Dom Hemingway. I mean, they are, they are both sort of similar black comedies that have, you know, hopefully characters that uh, you care about, but are also, Kind of outrageous and funny, and um, Jude has sort of never played a part like this before. I mean, I think people sort of think of him more as sort of like a good-looking mm-hmm. leading man. And, and in, in the case of Dom, you know, we went out of our. I mean, Dom is a, a criminal who comes out of jail after 12 years and, and attempting to put his life together, basically shoots himself in the foot at every every turn. And Jude sort of took this character, and he was like, "Listen, I want to gain weight." I want to show my receding hairline. I convince him to grow a lemmy sort of mustache beard sort of thing mm. he he sort of it, it's a it's sort of a an outrageous performance in in the sense that he he's both completely charming and completely uh horrible at the same time and yet you can't help but love the guy and uh and it i I'm really happy and proud of the movie i hope i i mean I'm excited for people to start seeing it.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, I'm really looking forward to seeing it. Um, You know, and and that leads into my next question, actually, um, because the title character, Dom Dom Hemingway, seems like a real piece of work. He's like a violent, foul-mouthed safecracker, but you still manage to make him likable and sympathetic. How do you create characters that should, by all means, be unlikable (laughs) likable?
1: Well, you know, a similar thing was in The Matador, in that Pierce was playing a, a character that, you know, sort of went out of his way to be offensive to people
0: right, right. and
1: and is also a hitman, <laughs> so it, it, there are these things that sort of push you away, mm-hmm. but i 'm interested in that. I like taking characters that on paper seem like you might be like, "Why do I want to spend you know uh, an hour and a half with this person and then by the end of the movie, have an audience go, "You know I really like that. I wish I could spend more time with that guy right and And that's sort of a fun challenge as a writer. Mm -hmm. And I think actors respond to that because they get to to push themselves into places. You know, you have to cast the right actor in a role like that, I always say. I mean, I think Pierce has a, a, a natural charm that makes you sort of forgive him for doing the things he does in The Matador to Greg Kinnear. And Jude is a similar thing, I think you, you kind of can't help but love the guy. I mean, he smiles within the first two minutes of the movie. And I think the uh, you know, audiences at the Toronto Film Festival, certainly and other places we've screened it, immediately sort of warm to him, even though he's you know, kicking the shit out of someone or doing something absolutely horrible. Right, right. Uh, <laughs> you know, so, but again, it's a sort of actor that you, you cast. There's some actors who are great actors who are just sort of inherently cold, And if you cast someone like that in a role like that, then I think you're doomed. Mm -hmm. But if you find someone who's got some some charm about them, then you can sort of push. And I think audiences enjoy it. I think they want to see stuff they haven't seen. They want to see sort of matinee idol movie stars sort of rough themselves up and – from a purely you know, selfish, how do you get your movie financed sort of way, <laughs> if you can convince a movie star to be in your you know, low budget independent film, you can actually get it financed. Right, right.
0: Um, you also, again, infuse a lot of humor into sort of really extreme situations, um, which makes them you know, more funny and intense. Uh, it's definitely more situational humor than straight up jokes. How would you describe your sense of humor and how are you able to sort of bring that into your film?
1: Well, I don't, I never set out to write a comedy or, I mean, I'm always setting out to write a drama, um, but I know that ultimately what the characters are doing is inherently funny. And the right. fact that they're, they're 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 usually completely messed up and free to speak their mind allows sort of my sort of sense of humor to come out. But I don't kind of go, I don't try to figure out how am I going to write a comedy. I think that... I think the best way for me to approach it is to approach it to make sure that we we ultimately believe that this is all happening and that it is somehow grounded. Even if if, if the situations are slightly outrageous, you know, the more grounded you are, then the more chance you have of actually connecting with people. And since I like to bring some emotional level of honesty to it, you know, you can't just be sort of heading off to do a comedy. I mean, I also think that that's, one of the reasons, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm very proud of my movies, but they are a specific sort of thing. And they're, you know, I'm lucky enough to get them released, but they're released by Fox Searchlight, not 20th Century Fox. Right. You know, it, it's, this is, they're not comedies for, to, to be opening in 2000 theaters. I mean, you know, I, I, I wish I had that sensibility so that I could make some money. But, <laughs> but from a purely artistic standpoint, it's not really where my head is at
0: right right well from a film fan i appreciate it because it, it is nice to get films that are unique you know and have a different voice to them as opposed to these cutter you know genre pictures um so uh who are some of your screenwriting and filmmaking influences and just talking about modern day filmmakers i mean i'm picturing sort of a, a guy Ritchie, david o russell with a touch of spike jones kind of kind of thing but i'm sure you know obviously they're your, you know contemporaries but um so, who are some of your screenwriting and filmmaking influences?
1: Well, you know, listen, I think I think that um, you know David O. Russell is doing really interesting work right now in his mm-hmm. career. You know, I'm I, I'm definitely fans of writer directors who sort of create from scratch original screenplays, whether it be Paul Thomas Anderson, whose films are nothing like mine, but mm-hmm. you know, every single time he, you know, it, it's coming out of his mind, this this new world he's creating, and. And, and someone like Wes Anderson as well, who, who clearly has such a, a strong creative uh, calling coming from himself. But, you know, the movies that I tend to like are, you know, I mean, uh, Sexy Beast was a huge influence on me when I wrote The Matador. And to be quite honest, it probably was an influence on me when I wrote Dom Hemingway, to the point where the producer of Sexy Beast produced Dom Hemingway. Mm-hmm. I mean, so certain movies bore into your brain as, as, you know, influencing you. I mean, you mentioned Guy Ritchie, and in a way we were trying to make the anti-Guy Ritchie movie with Dom Hemingway in that while it, it may appear that it's a movie about criminals and all of this, it's mm-hmm. really a portrait of a guy who's a total mess. <laughs> and so, you know, not that, that his movies aren't good, but they, to me there's sort of like a, uh, removal of emotions from those movies and I tend to want to you know try and try and ground it in some sort of way so you know I mean but you know ultimately like I'm, I'm just an enormous movie fan I watch movies from the 70s all the time I don't know how the French Connection 2 influences me on any level because there's <laughs> not one ounce of humor in that movie you know but, uh, well, there's a little, but not a lot. But, you know, so but I, at the same time, I, those movies, the, the, the William Friedkin's movies in the 70s mm-hmm. are more influential in my DNA in many ways than contemporary filmmakers like Guy Ritchie.
0: Oh, sure. No, absolutely. I only mentioned Guy Ritchie because um, I think, you know, again, this, this, the style, I think, is very different. He's very kinetic. And um, like you said, it, it's, sort of more in your face and it's less it's more about situations and um but also i think david O. russell is much more about character and 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 so it kind of combined the two um it's just based on on that sort of of thing but yeah i mean again they are contemporary so i was just kind of curious as to like you know the william friedkins of the world you know who who it is that you know
1: well you know i mean at the end of the day i mean somehow the best screenplays feel like when they work with a movie, Mm -hmm. you don't see any of the parts moving. They Mm -hmm. just sort of work. I mean, you know, and if you look at someone like like, um, Paul Thomas Anderson or or Wes Anderson, their movies tend to not really follow the normal structure that's sort of taught and sort of revered in the sort of Hollywood system, the three-act. Structure where something has to happen on page forty two and something has to happen on page sixty three and I, I sort of follow the rule that 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 there are no rules, and I tend to write without an outline and I tend wow. to write without even knowing what's going to happen and uh, I started doing that with the matador, and it sort of jump started you know the way that I wrote in a way that I suddenly w- felt much freer to follow my characters wherever they wanted to go. And that can get you into trouble if you, as a screenwriter, don't know the rules or also, you know, if you, if, you, know, you can get very stuck, certainly. Um, but, you know, in the case of The Matador, I, I wrote half that script and then I didn't know what was going to happen. Mm-hmm. And I put it down for six months and I picked it up six months later and the first thing I typed was six months later. And it literally, you know, the second half of the film takes place six months later, and it really opened my brain to the idea that, wow, you can really really change up the way you think about how you write movies. And Dom was definitely a case where I, I created the character before I created the story, and once I created this character, he sort of took me down the road that he wanted to go to. And so, I think I do respond to movies I think that you have the feeling that it's not a cookie cutter
0: mm-hmm. uh,
1: sort of structure where you kind of know somewhere deep in your you know brain what's going to happen because you 've seen so many movies. so right. I like any movie that will that sort of will surprise me and go in a direction that 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 i didn't realize and and as I said, the ones where you don't really feel the The machinations at work, right? You know, I I don't know about you, but I always think that if I'm watching a movie that I'm kind of liking, and I think to myself, "This movie is really good," then the movie's lost me because I'm taking the time to be thinking about something. Oh,
0: interesting. (laughs) Yeah, no, I don't think I feel that, but no, I I agree with you in terms of the machinations. Like you feel like you know what's coming up. Oh, this is where the act break needs to be. Oh, this is where, you know, and, and, and sure enough, boom, 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 all the things that you're thinking about coming to play. Well, one, obviously you're not that into the film if you're thinking about those things, probably. Exactly. But, uh, no, and I, again, that's another, the reason that, you know, I really respect your filmmaking and, um, because it, it and I had no idea that you wrote like that, which is, I guess, sort of makes sense, I guess, if you think about it, um, how sort of unpredictable and, uh, you know, just kind of free flowing it is. And I, I think that that, to me, much more interesting. And that's why, you know, again, I love a guy like Spike Jones, who just so sort of, you know, out there with his own sensibility, his own vision, um, and you just really don't know what's what's going to happen.
1: Without a doubt. And he made the best movie of last year Yeah, because he, he you know, he took it in a very sort of an idea that in the, any other writer's hands would have just been sort of an, a, a, an absolutely impossible to like movie. Mm-hmm. You know, and figured out a way to or you know from character and from the heart tell tell a story that didn 't seem to have any considerations of commercial viability whatsoever right. and turn into something that a made has made money, and B is clearly like a great work of art right you know and as a as a writer and a filmmaker, I look at that movie you know and say, "Wow, you know, shit, I should just become a you know I should go work in a meat <laughs> shop because i don 't know what the hell i 'm doing." Um, uh, but yeah, it's, he's, 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 he's pretty special.
0: Well, I, I heard that, um, who was it? It was an actor. He became a, a cobbler.
1: He, All right. Uh, yeah. Daniel Day-Lewis. Daniel Day-Lewis. Yes.
0: Yeah. I can't believe I didn't think of his name. Uh, Daniel Day-Lewis like, quit acting for a while, became a cobbler and they came back and, you know, obviously, you know, it has done some amazing work since then. So maybe, uh, <laughs> Maybe we all exactly. Need maybe time maybe in, working at a butcher
1: is the, uh, is the way to go.
0: Yeah, maybe we often spend time doing something else. Um, and speaking exactly. Of the, the six months in between the matador, just out of curiosity, did, was that time spent not thinking about the matador, and just kind of opening your mind and doing other things and forgetting about it? Or was it spent, you know, sort of taking your time and, and, and working it out, either subconsciously or consciously, the details of where you wanted to take it, where you wanted to go with it?
1: I think that's a good question. I mean, I, don't th- I think that I spent part of that time trying to figure it out, mm-hmm. you know, and sort of outlining different possible things that could happen, and none of them felt really interesting. So at a certain point when I put it away, I, li- I think I literally just put it away and started working on something else. And, you know, I guess cleared my brain of all the sort of, you know, bad plot devices that easily could have fit in there. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's sometimes, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm a big believer that the best ideas for a writer happen when they're taking a shower.
0: Right. I absolutely. mean, I'm not,
1: I'm, not, I'm not the first person to say that, but I actually truly, I take the longest shower. I mean, the water shortage in America is due to my <laughs> showering, to my creative process. Um, so... <laughs> Uh, you know, and it is weird how your brain, as soon as you stop thinking about something, can, will, will open up some doors. Yeah. But, you know, we're constantly looking for things that don't, that, that, that don't feel obvious, that feel more organic. And, and I've, I've just started just truly believing that I let my characters take me. You know, I, I always found it was so strange in outlines when it would be like, you know, then they go to lunch. Then they meet at the dinner. And I'm like, well, how did they get to lunch? Right. You know, <laughs> and Why can't my characters get on a bus? Why can't they hail a taxi? Who's right. going to be the taxi driver? You know, and, so, and what are they going to talk about? And if they have to talk about something in the cab, maybe they're going to get into a fight. And all of these things <laughs> that, that sort of somehow free you to, to, to follow different patterns. And, you know, this will lead you down some dead ends. I mean, the, uh, Dom Hemingway... Uh, you know, I wrote an entirely different, basically two-thirds of the movie and got about halfway through the second half of the film and was just like, I'm not sure that this, this seems a little easy. And I kind of went back and went a different direction. So sometimes writing with an outline can cost you valuable time. Sure. But uh, at the same time, you know, I was enjoying that road that I was going down and I used lots of little things from it in the thing that I ultimately ended up writing. mm
0: mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's, uh, it, it's definitely interesting to hear, you know, your story and how you actually write, you know, sort of unique, but also, I mean, it leads to you un- a unique, uh, film. Um, what, how long does it take you on average, or is it totally random based on, on what it is, but like, in terms of like sitting in the chair time, how long does it take you to write, like, how long did it take you to write Don, he- Don Hemingway or, the right.
1: Matador. But Dom was a Dom was a again. Matador took me about two months plus six months, you know. Right. And I, I write pretty fast when I'm in a role, right? You know, Dom didn't take very much long at all. I mean, Dom just sort of when you see the movie, he's mm-hmm. he's like an explosion of verbal energy, and uh, it, it sort of was an easy, in some way, very easy for me to to write. But every project is different, you know. It is it's always hardest to sort of get going mm-hmm. and once one's you know and you know uh, the the rule of trying to write five pages a day when you're in when you're actually writing is a good rule to to try and live by because it it gives you an achievable goal that that also if you're really sticking to it allows you to kind of get a first draft in a month but you know it it's hard it's a hard thing to do but uh, it's it's one of those silly little goals you give yourself that allows you to go to a movie in the afternoon if you've finished your five pages. Which I mean I'm always looking for an excuse to go to a movie in the afternoon.
0: Nice. Um now um since you're the intended director of your own screenplays, just out of curiosity, do you include a like, camera direction and music cues and things like that? No. No okay.
1: No. I and I hate it when I read any I mean, occasionally I'll occasionally I'll give a music cue. Mm-hmm. Um, especially if it really means something to the story. Mm -hmm. Um, But I tend to not really give any camera direction, stage direction at all. And I don't love reading it in screenplays that I'm Mm -hmm. given to read either. I mean, at a certain point, you know, even someone writing fade in drives me crazy. I'm like, why do we have to fade in? Why can't we cut in and don't tell me what to do? because you don't know what the energy of the finished film is going to be like. Okay. So I, I tend to react better to, st- you know, they, if, you, if, you, if you treat stage direction like dialogue, which is to be terse and, and, and uh, say, as you know, every scene should be under three pages or four pages, and it needs to be, you know, just directly to what you need to say, then I think stage direction should be that too. I mean, there's nothing wrong with saying they enter the room. You know, and not have to go into the longest world's description of every single thing that they do, because ultimately, when you get on the set, those you know, you may have a page of di- a page of description explaining what the actors you know he goes to those, pours himself a drink, and so and so and then at the end of the day, yes, you can occasionally give those little lines if you want to break things up, but to go into detail like that is you know ultimately. Um, uh, the actors may not want to do it, the director may not want to do it. Mm-hmm. So I, ultimately, I, I want to just get to the core of what the movie's about when, I, when I'm when i writing so I don't spend an enormous amount of time on detailed stage directions. Now, some people do.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, I mean, that's the beauty of any art form. I mean, some people completely, and it's great. You know, a really great writer can write really great stage direction. My goal always is, as a screenwriter is to write a script that, you want to continue to turn the pages. And I feel like if you can keep getting people to turn the pages, then eventually they're going to finish the script. And if they've actually finished the script, then you have a much better chance of getting your movie made or cast or financed because they've actually finished the script. So I'm, I'm always like, what's the, what's the way that I can most kind of keep the momentum going?
0: Right, right. Um, now, April is turning out to be a really big month for you. In addition to Dom Hemingway, you're executive producing and directing the pilot for uh, WGN America's first scripted original program, Salem, um, which premieres on uh, Sunday, April 20th, if I'm not
1: mistaken. That is the day they picked.
0: Um, excellent. Um, uh, what sort of angle did you take with Salem? I know it's based on the 17th century Massachusetts town and, and witch trials and all that. But what is the series about?
1: It is It is basically set in Salem during the witch trials, and the conceit is that there really were witches in Salem, mm-hmm. and they're setting up their enemies to be accused of being witches. So it's kind of got a sort of a Shakespearean uh, subtext to it, and it's really, it's really fun. It's unlike anything I've ever done before. It was written by this guy, Brandon Braga, who wrote on all the Star Trek TV shows and and Adam Simon is the other writer, and, and they've just created this very interesting world of, uh, dark horror show with, like, complex characters, and it, it was a real blast to, you know, we ended up building Salem in Shreveport, Louisiana, the, you know, a humongous set, probably the biggest set, I, you know, I've ever worked on, certainly, and the biggest set I may ever work on. It's a gigantic set. And, you know, it's very period accurate, and we shot a lot of the pilot with just firelight. You know, oh. the new cameras you can really do, you can really shoot in low light, and we just, it was, it was a blast. And I think people are going to dig it. Cool. But it's certainly out of the wheelhouse of the stuff that I, I mean, I don't, for TV, I'm just a director. I don't write TV, so, so uh, you know, it's certainly about as different from Dom Hemingway or Girls right. as you could you know, <laughs> possibly imagine.
0: Right. Well, I mean, and that leads to my next question is, is there, you know, a TV series in terms of writing and creating in your future, you know, especially now with cable. I mean, so many more, more things are popular or, I mean, uh, possible than they used to be, um, you know, with cable. I mean, I think your sensibility could translate. I mean, I, maybe I'm mistaken. Maybe, you know, I haven't seen the sort of struggles, you know, you've had to get, you know, projects made or haven't, um, but I mean, uh, you know, I, I think our not audiences more sophisticated now and more ready for, you know, intelligent material. There's so much great TV out there now. Uh,
1: there's at, at this point, there's better television out there now than, than films in sure. most cases. I mm-hmm. mean, I still think this is a great era for filmmaking and you do have the David O. Russell's and the Wes Anderson's and yeah. Paul Thomas Anderson's making movies. So that's truly exciting. But, um, it's a great era right now for television because there's so many cable channels and so many opportunities, and they're they're not they are no longer sort of only driven by ratings, so you're getting this situation where where networks are trying to just create shows that are getting buzz and getting you know getting getting written about as they're sort of launching these places and so you know there 's a lot of writers are gravitating towards television because they can they can expand characters into instead of two you know two hours it can be twelve hours or twenty four hours or thirty six hours of of these rich characters and it 's a pretty great thing
0: mm-hmm. because
1: you know if you look at things that are going on right now like true detective i mean true detective to me oh, was, yeah. was about as good a a piece of of art as you could possibly imagine, incredibly well-made, incredibly well-written and directed and acted, and, you know, spectacular.
0: Yeah. Agreed. Um, Now, I know you've got to run, so we've got a a, a quick section called Rapid Fire. It's just three either-or questions. Um, Okay. Better song, The Matador by Johnny Cash or Matador by The Arctic Monkey?
1: Uh, well, I'm, I'm far more an Arctic Monkeys fan than a Johnny Cash fan, go. though, who doesn't love Johnny Cash? <laughs> um, Is that a political answer enough? <laughs> uh,
0: well, you got to sometimes in this business. It's nice towing the line there. Um, who would win in a swearing Wait. contest? Lena Dunham, Tina Fey, or yourself?
1: Oh, that's interesting. It, it would probably be me. Okay. Um, yeah, I, w- I would say it would be me.
0: Um, and lastly, more entertaining, Dom DeLuise or Ernest Hemingway?
1: <laughs> the, the outtakes from all the Cannonball Run movies with Dom DeLuise <laughs> and Lord Reynolds are about as entertaining cinema as you could ever hope to get.
0: Nice. I have not seen that, but that's awesome. Um, really great talking to you, Richard. I appreciate you taking the time and coming on the show.
1: Uh, thanks, Kevin, and good luck with all your stuff.
0: Thanks. Be sure to see Don Hemingway in theaters Wednesday, April 2nd, and watch Salem on WG in America on Sunday, April 20th. You can also follow Richard on Twitter at Salty Shep, and take a peek at his website, richardshepard.com. And if you have questions about the craft or business of writing, you can send us an email to ask at scriptsinscribes.com or send us a tweet to at scriptscribes. There's no and in the middle there, just at scriptscribes. Thanks for listening.